Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. I am. The thing with these old episodes is you'll watch some, for example, like episode three, where Chris is debating changing her name and Kim's getting an x-ray to show that she doesn't have butt implants. And you're enjoying it, but you're also aware of kind of how fluffy it is. And then you get hit with an episode like episode four, where it's so intense and it really makes you understand how they were able to keep this going for 20 seasons. Oh yeah. I mean, they let you in on some very personal moments. You know what else it is, is you'll have moments in the show where it's not by any means the main plot. Like it may even be a throwaway plot or a one line that's said in passing, but it almost is more intimate than the other stuff that you're getting in the episode. So for example, a lot of the stuff with Chris and Caitlin in the midst of some fluffy conversations or in the midst of conversations that have nothing to really do with their relationship, they'll kind of expose something about their relationship and the fact that it's not really working without coming right out and saying that. And you have a moment of like, wow, I can't believe they said that and they don't even realize that they said that. But also when we were watching it the first time around back in 2011 or whenever it was, we were not nearly as clued into those little things, which now we of course recognize in retrospect how telling they were. Yes, but also that kind of has to do with our age. Like we didn't know to look for signs like that in a marriage or you know how off certain things were. But I do remember watching with my parents and actually my dad specifically when he would do that thing that all dads do where we'd be watching and he'd pretend to hate the show, but he'd be standing in front of it for 30 minutes. And mm-hmm. he would always say about their relationship. He always said about Chris and Caitlin, he's like, something's not right there. Like something is not working between those two. It is so evident now when watching it back. You're right. I mean, I guess part of it was just the age thing. We weren't as tuned into that when we were 16, 17 years old, but is hindsight 2020 or what? True. Okay, so episode three, which we briefly touched on last week, really fun to watch. Not that much to analyze here. Plot number one is Chris debating whether or not she's going to change her name back to Kardashian. And two, Kim getting a butt x-ray to prove to the world that her butt is in fact real, which like really was a very iconic episode at the time and has maintained itself as one. Chris potentially changing her name back to Kardashian, even if it was just for the plot of this episode. I mean, talk about the biggest red flag in terms of her relationship with Caitlyn. I mean, even in retrospect watching it, I'm like, wow, I can't believe how casually she brought this idea up. And I can't believe the way in which Caitlyn was almost, it was almost beyond Caitlyn to even try and fight it. It was almost like Caitlyn was desensitized to it in a way. You're right. It almost felt like it was above her to even try to fight. She knew that Chris was going to make the decision one way or another and wherever she was going to land, Caitlyn would have to be okay with. I will say, you know, if you're asking me, I had to choose, where does my loyalty lie between Caitlyn and Chris? It's going to be Chris every time. There's no argument about that, specifically in the later years. But when you watch back some of these scenes from the earlier days, 
as much of a Chris diehard as I am, it is undeniable that there was a lack of respect with which she treated Caitlin that became kind of the norm. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic and it's definitely one that you saw change as they got more famous and as the family got bigger and as Caitlin's role in the family, honestly, in the way that Chris saw it and maybe the way the rest of the family saw it, uh, maybe diminished a little as Chris became the head, the matriarch of the family and was kind of really running their day to day. But you can also look at the first ever episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians and see signs of where their relationship wasn't exactly working then too. Well, something that I do think about at times is we have some level of an understanding of Chris's relationship to Robert and that she's spoken about it in her book. She's spoken about it in interviews. The kids have spoken about it. But they weren't filming a reality show when they were married. So we naturally have a far more intimate understanding of her relationship with Caitlin and kind of what that was like. And from what we know about her marriage to Robert, some of these dynamics that were going on with Caitlin that just would have never flown. And part of it is that Chris was at a totally different place in her life when she was married to Robert. But I do kind of wonder which things she lacked in her relationship to Robert that she then was seeking in her relationship with Caitlin. And now looking back where she would land on all of that. Yeah, it's such an interesting discussion. And it's, you know, we also now see her with Corey and all three of these relationships as we've either seen them play out on TV or as they've been described to us, described to us being Robert primarily, are so different from the other. I think that what she explained in her relationship with Robert was it was kind of this very old fashioned traditional marriage. Robert really took care of the bills and took care of work and Chris was at home. When Chris married Caitlin, that dynamic had already inherently shifted in terms of the way that Chris operated within herself. She had begun paying her own bills. She had begun, you know, working and taking care of those things. And so when Caitlin came into the picture, Chris really took that working role to the next level because Chris was then managing Caitlin. And Chris was really responsible for a lot of the finances in the house. And now you see Chris with Corey and... I would say the basis of that relationship is just Chris and Corey having so much fun together. It almost feels like Corey's kind of her reward for how hard she's worked over the years. I actually very much understand what you mean by that. And to me, the number one biggest difference if I had to choose between her relationship with Caitlin and her relationship with Corey is that the way that I view her relationship with Corey, she feels entirely taken care of by him. And in her relationship with Caitlin, the vibe was Chris was the one that kind of had it all covered, which again was probably a result of the fact that in her relationship with Robert, that wasn't the case. You know, he really handled it all. And there was a part of her that kind of wanted to. I don't know if you want to call it gain back that independence or take that control, but I think towards the end of her relationship with Caitlin, it turned to something that she was perhaps exhausted by and actually something that I think Caitlin was resentful of. It's almost like each relationship that she's been in, in, in terms of her marriages and, and serious relationships, again, as we've seen them play out, is her not really knowing the way in which she wants to t- be taken care of. Like each one was kind of her navigating how she wants to run a household and how she wants to run a business and the type of woman that she wants to be and be regarded as. And that's changed continuously as she's gotten older. And therefore, what she needs out of a relationship is also going to change. Well, totally. I mean, that's you know the evolution of one's life. What you need in your 30s is different than what you need in your 60s. And in Chris's case, it just so happened that she had different long-term partners for those different times of her life. And clearly everything worked out the way that it was meant to. The example that comes to mind, which is derived from like a personal instance that I had, but you're so going to get it. There's a story that I always tell Julie about. I was one time seeing this guy and we sat down at a restaurant and I really didn't like the table that we were sitting at and I wanted to move. And I said something to him. I was like, you know, I don't really love this table. And he was like, okay, why don't you ask the hostess? Which of course I'm more than capable of asking the hostess. I was happy to. But in that moment, I realized that I was turned off by that because I wanted him to say, okay, I'm going to go handle it. I wanted him to get up, go to the hostess and ask if we could switch tables. And it always stuck with me. You know, sometimes you have an instance where it makes you realize, okay, there's something about this person where they handle things in a certain way and it's not bad, but it's just not the way that I want 
my interactions to go. And if that same example were with Chris and Caitlin or Chris and Corey, I think if it was Chris and Caitlin, Chris would be the one asking the hostess. And if it was Chris and Corey, before she was even done saying the sentence, Corey would be up there asking the hostess. Again, they're not sitting in a restaurant where they need to ask the hostess if they can switch tables. But I do kind of think it tracks. Totally. I think that is an excellent example. I think that totally tracked. And from what we understand about Robert, that's what I was going to say when you said they wouldn't be at a restaurant where they need to change tables. Like, obviously, Kris Jenner, as she is now, is always going to get the best seat in the house. But prior to being Kris Jenner, Robert Kardashian was going to make sure that she got the best seat in the house. Right. They would have probably been in a private room from the get-go. But just if you want to put it in terms of Caitlyn and Corey, I, I do think that makes sense. Totally. Also, the one last thing that I'll say about Chris and Caitlin as it applies to this episode and Chris potentially wanting to change her name back to Kardashian is that a huge part of the dynamic of their relationship is that I think in the beginning, the, you know, Chris being the manager of Caitlin and kind of running things worked because Caitlin was the one who was the celebrity. Caitlin was the one that was giving these motivational talks and and was the Olympian that everybody knew. As they got more famous, that dynamic switched too. So you then had like kind of two areas in which Chris was the leader of the house. And I think that that was a really big change for Caitlyn. And that was probably the most notable switch in terms of their dynamic as they continued to get more famous. Oh, totally. And I don't even think for Caitlyn it necessarily came from a a pride perspective. I never struck her in these seasons to feel a, a sense of a loss of pride as the rest of the family's fame started to increase. I think a lot of it was more so Chris's attention and focus because it was objectively fading. I mean, it, it was no longer – not that it was ever entirely on Caitlyn. Of course, it was, I would say, primarily on her children. But there was a total – shift in terms of her focus and attention. And, you know, that was felt. Oh, I think that's something that Caitlin brought up often in terms of feeling neglected. No, of course. And we did get a lot of that. But you have to think that at any given time, whatever we're getting, it's only maybe 60% of the story, even for the most vulnerable episodes. There are still things that you're never going to really say. Even someone like Caitlin, who's been very forthcoming, maybe even to a fault at times or you know, to the dismay of the rest of the family. You never can really understand what it was like in those moments at the time. Not something she would say in a confessional, but something she would say to her best friend, you know, in secrecy. Like that is the type of information that is really the the meat of it. Well, the other thing is also is that you kind of got a glimpse as to what Caitlin would say about those times when she wrote her book. But it came across in such an attacking way and as the way the whole family kind of describes it, almost rewriting history. And so, and this is an entirely separate point from from kind of what we're saying in terms of wishing that we could have that insight, but it's almost become now that Caitlin isn't the most reliable narrator. Well, that's the shift and that's exactly what I'm saying. Whereas at the time, if there was like a diary being written in real time that could then be released, it would be received in such a different way because already so much of the credibility, I think, at least for Kardashian enthusiasts or people that have really been following the family for a while, that credibility was a little bit tarnished. Right. Totally. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. 
Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. Like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So the second plot of episode three, which again, really fun to watch, not that much to analyze, is Kim getting an x-ray to prove to the world that she does not have butt implants and that her butt is entirely real. So her, Courtney and Chloe go, they do the whole x-ray. And while Kim is laying on this table, Chloe says, the fact that Kim is laying on a table having her ass x-rayed, that's iconic. And I know we talked about this recently, but those are the moments that I appreciate so much because it's like, I love when you, in the moment, 12 years ago can recognize not only how iconic this is, but how iconic it will remain. You know, as iconic as Kim's ass still is, it was iconic in a way then that it isn't anymore. Like in 2011, at the time that these butt x-rays were taken and then posted on Chloe's website to prove that Kim's ass was real, that was like the peak of Kim's ass. No, 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 no. The kids today don't understand what Kim's ass used to be. Iconic doesn't even begin to cover. I almost wish for their sake that her ass was fake because the insurance policy that they could take out on Kim's butt implants if they ever like needed the money and needed to sell them would give them the exact amount of wealth that they have today. No, I know. And the other thing that was always so funny to me is the thing they always relied on, not only here, but I think they also did it on some other daytime talk shows, is Kim did not have ass implants. And they would always compare it to Courtney's boobs because Courtney did have implants and they wanted to show the difference and say, if Kim had silicone in her ass, it would look a lot like Courtney's tits. And the thing I would always say is like, okay, but that's not the only possible enhancement. Like most people that have their asses done do not have implants. They have fat transfer. They have shots. They have something else. And even though at this time, I swear to God, in 2011, I did not think that Kim had things done. If you look back a few years before, like this is genuinely what her body was like. But I remember always thinking it was funny that they considered that the end all be all when there were so many other options. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, did the proving of the lack of butt implants work or did we know about BBLs at the time? BBLs were not nearly as as prominent then. I don't even know if that term was in circulation. It totally could have been. But in terms of when it really came into our orbit, that was far more recent. I think people always thought that they had some things done, but it, it, the, the, it was different then. It was just a totally different time then. I mean, also... Over the course of these 12 years, Kim herself became the number one most desired, not only figure, but also face when people would be bringing photos to the plastic surgeons. Like it started out with her proving that she was not fake. And then it turned into over the last, again, 10, 12 years, she's literally the number one photo taken to to doctors across the country. You know, what's funny is that in this episode, Courtney and Chloe have this moment where they're kind of fucking with Kim and they're like, well, maybe your ass is fake. Like, how would we know if it wasn't? And so they're sitting there Googling butt implants, things that you could do. And they come across the term BBL and they come across Brazilian butt lift. And it seems very unfamiliar to them as they're 
as they're Googling it. The funniest part about this episode is after they go through it all and they prove that Kim's butt is in fact real, Chloe posts it on her website. Her website, like watching that made me feel so old. And the other thing that I was thinking about as I was watching it is, don't you think that's the type of thing that Kim would have wanted to capitalize on herself? Like, don't you think Kim would have wanted the clicks on her website? Why is Chloe getting the traction for that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's funny though, watching kind of the evolution of social media in real time through these episodes where regardless of whether it's Chloe or Kim's website, the fact that they're posting it on a website at all is so crazy considering probably exactly a year from that point, if not less time, they would be posting that on Twitter. Yes. And a few years after that, they would have been documenting this entire experience on Snapchat because at one time they were all very involved in Snapchat, constantly posting on there until Kylie single-handedly tanked the stock. But the other thing to your point about how you know watching the show is so fun because it's really interesting to see the way that social media has changed over the years, there's that. But then when you add on the other layer, which is over the last 12 years since this episode aired, to see the way that Kim single-handedly has transformed social media and the family as a whole. But I mean, if you really want to think about it, Kim, I would say was one of the the main players, definitely one of the main celebrities that started using social media in a very specific, far more intimate way, almost as her diary. And you know, the two cannot be entirely separated because it wasn't like this technology just changed. The technology changed, but then she and the family had a direct impact on the way in which it was used. No, it's so true. And even looking back on the decision to post this on the website, obviously it was a huge form of their income probably based on clicks and whatever it was. So that was the decision to post it on the website versus Twitter. They had started using Twitter at this point. You know, Kim's first tweet was in 2009, I believe. And it's just interesting the way that they used Twitter back then too. I don't think their main source of using Twitter or the main reason for using Twitter was to get information out. I don't know if you remember the way celebrities used Twitter during that time, but like you would never see that now across the board. It was like, if you look back on some of those old tweets, you can't believe how messy celebrities were on there. Oh, I can remember because for some reason my explore page is always old Demi Lovato tweets. And that was a wild time. Also, just in the conversation of the way they used to use social media, let us not forget the apps. Let's say around 2014, those apps really came on the scene. And to think back now that we would all download these individual apps and pay a, a monthly fee to be subscribed to their content, which nowadays they would never be monetizing their content in that way. But just to go back to that time, it is so wild because I remember not only signing up for Kylie's app specifically, but feeling like a rush when a new video would be posted, whether it was a makeup tutorial or you know, a house tour, whatever the things she used to post were, it, it genuinely was exhilarating to me. Like I felt like I was getting this exclusive content that only the most diehard of fans were getting. And so when I think back, yeah, I can't believe I did it, but also for a short amount of time, they accomplished what they set out to accomplish, which was making people feel as though they needed to consume this content and buy this content in this way if they really wanted to, quote, keep up. You know that <laughs> the Kardashian apps are the reason that like we exist, like the reason that comments exist, right? Why? Because <laughs> when we were in the group chat that we let you in, the reason that we let you in it and that ultimately led to us breaking off is because you said that you paid for all of the apps. <laughs> I completely forgot about that until this moment. Wait, I forgot to, about it until you just said it. You have to explain that a little bit more for people that don't know what you're talking about because I honestly completely forgot what you were talking about until right now. I know some people may already know it, but like, I, you have to just explain it a little bit more. When we were in college, there was a group chat that existed with me, Isabel, and two of our other friends. And at the time, the reason that the group chat existed is because out of all of the people in our sorority, we were the ones that really knew the Kardashians the best. And so we broke off and we made this little group chat about the Kardashians so that we could discuss things. And it kind of like became like a little bit of a thing that we had this. 
I think that we, okay, this is, it's such a throwback. I guess we had posted a picture of us that we had taken like when we were out and you commented on it about wanting to be added to the group chat on this picture. And we were like, why should we add you? And you said, you were like, blah, 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 blah. And also I pay for every single app. And we were like, oh my God, no question, she's in. And then the birth of you and I starting comments together and you texting me about doing it is only because we became friends from being in the group chat. That is so fucking crazy. I, (laughs) whoa, that is so fucking crazy. I cannot believe that my need to pay $2.99 a month or whatever it was for every single one of these apps just to make absolute certain that I did not miss one thing was how we were able to be sitting on this podcast together talking about season six, episode three, four, and five of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. That is uh, that is just so wild. I was so shook right now. I always knew that the comment was how it came to be that you were added to the group chat. I just didn't remember until just now that that's what the comment was. Wow. That was some amazing remembering, Julie. Thank you. That is so fucking full circle. All of this is so full circle. It hurts our brain when we try to remember like how we really started to become close. I know we probably talk about it on here a lot because we talk about it in real life a lot. I just can't envision a world in which we weren't always the way we are now. You know? Uh, yeah, of course I know. Like, I, I don't. People don't realize how people do not realize how much time we spend together. Like, however much they think, it's magnified. We <laughs> we live together in the winters. <laughs> like, it's insane. I I know me being home right now is like the longest we've been apart in a couple of months. It's really it's a lot of time together. And like it I it's not just that it wasn't always like this where we were friends, but but didn't spend as much time together. Like there was a period of time where like we knew each other, but we weren't at all friends. My relatives get genuinely thrown off when Julie is not at a family engagement. So much to the point where one time she was like, guys, you know, I have my own family, right? Like she was like, thank you so much for the invitation, but like, I'm going to go to my parents for Yom Kippur. And everyone like, of course, totally understood, but was so sad. Julie was the first person that my cousin left her newborn baby with. I will get photos sent to me of Julie with my family when I'm not even there and I didn't even know that they were together. Like, I can't explain to you the depth of the hanging out that goes on. It's just like so funny to think back. Wow, that is crazy. I know. Wow. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. 
Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. So really, episode four kind of entirely centers around Courtney and Scott's relationship and more specifically, Chris is growing upset with the fact that they're not married. They don't have plans to get married yet. They have a kid together. They are potentially going to have another kid together from what Courtney's been telling her. And Chris feels that it's in direct opposition with her more traditional beliefs and how she thinks a relationship and a marriage should look. And this is kind of spotlighted because Chris has been asked to officiate Pastor Brad's wedding, which is the pastor that officiated Chloe and Lamar's wedding. And so kind of this focus on wedding and marriage really has Chris just entirely zoned in on how she thinks Courtney and Scott should proceed. And we're not going to go scene by scene. There's a lot of different scenes here, but it was shocking for me to watch this episode. Like one, the way that Chris was speaking and the rigidly traditional mindset she was exhibiting. Number two, the, the total disregard she had to one, Courtney's autonomy, but also her boundaries. But third, when you look at this juxtaposed with what's going on today, I mean, Chris's entire argument here was that she cannot believe, I mean, this again are her words, not mine. I obviously do not feel this way. Her entire argument is that she cannot believe that she raised a child that God forbid would have a baby before being married and potentially would have another baby before being married to the same guy. Look at her now. I mean, Kim is the only kid that had any kids while married, her, North wasn't born while they were married. And who gives a shit now? Like it could not be less of a concern for her. And the way that she was, I mean, genuinely deeply distraught over it was, it, I was so shaken by this. It was so crazy for me to witness Chris all of a sudden exhibiting this like overly traditional desire because that wasn't a theme that had come up often. And that's not to say that their religious beliefs hadn't come up often and that their relationship with religion hadn't come up before. Like, that was nothing new. It was just the way that they had all lived their lives and the way that they had all been on camera and the lack of boundaries as a family. Like, none of that pointed in the direction of traditional. And, of course, I think that the way that we view having kids before marriage or not while being married is something that overall, not just in the family or in Hollywood, but I think overall has really changed over the years. Um, And so I think it was much more of quote a thing then and much more of like a rigid thing then that people followed. But still, there's no way that this family has operated, which has been quote traditional in any sense of the word. No, I know. And I was thinking, you know, just a little while ago, we saw Chloe and Lamar get married after knowing each other for such a short amount of time. And yeah, maybe there was a little bit of initial friction there, but then Chris was entirely on board. And even in this episode or the next episode, when Chloe's talking about, you know, I've been married for a year and a half and already I'm feeling this insane amount of, of pressure to, to have kids and just to follow this order that I guess Chris kind of had in her mind and then placed onto the rest of the family. For example, even you see in this episode, Kim, she doesn't want to corner Courtney, but she's not looking at what Chris is doing and feeling that that's wildly intrusive. She actually even says to Courtney, you know, I kind of do share similar beliefs to mom. And again, if this is your belief for religious reasons, for traditional reasons, whatever the reason is, that is entirely your prerogative and and you should live your life as you please. No one's judging that. But like to have such an extreme amount of judgment on the way that someone else is choosing to live their life, even if it's your kid, at a certain point, like 
this kid isn't a kid. This is a grown adult with an entire child. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I mean, I know that at times, you know, Chris has been accused of being, let's say, pushy and kind of in their business. Yes, but also the reason that this family became so successful or one of the reasons is because of their unconventional dynamic and how much Chris was a friend. You know, it wasn't that typical parent-child thing, yet all of a sudden Chris was being so overbearing in a way that I wasn't necessarily used to because it wasn't as though she hadn't been overbearing at times, but this was just different. This was like uniquely intrusive. Yeah, it was like, it was almost beyond intrusive. It was almost more like invasive. And we've seen Chris act in this way before. Like Chris is not someone who understands, especially at this time, understands boundaries well. And she really stuck her nose where it did not belong on many different occasions and in a way that really frustrated them, but especially frustrated Courtney. I think what caught me off guard here about this is that there were two things going on. One, I think that Chris was really projecting in terms of this idea that like she raised Courtney to be quote a certain way and Courtney was not following in what Chris had idealized in her mind for her. So that was one thing which really caught me off guard to hear her say. But the other thing was that Chris was also reacting out of judgment of others. She's having that conversation with her friend and she says, you know, Courtney wants to have another baby with Scott but doesn't want to get married. And the friend says, well, if that was my daughter, I would just die. And that's what really takes Chris to the next level in terms of pressuring Courtney into getting married. It's once the friend passes judgment on Courtney's situation that Chris is like, well, now it doesn't just affect Courtney. It's now affecting me because I'm being looked down upon. I know that was very jarring for me to witness as well. And the other thing I was hyper aware of as I was watching this episode in terms of comparing it to today is something we talk about so much, and it's typically in regards to Kim and her progression in this area, is the way that she has genuinely evolved into deeply not giving a shit what other people think, or at least to the best of her ability. Of course, everybody cares to a certain extent, but compared to how she used to be, it's a far more liberating life she currently lives. And when you watch these episodes, you see, yeah, maybe it's Kim number one, but it's Chris number two. It's almost like, okay, Kim gives less of a fuck now than she ever did before. Chris gives less of a fuck now than she'd ever did before. Courtney gives exactly the same amount of fucks because to her credit, she never cared. And Chloe has gone in the opposite direction and unfortunately cares more now than she ever did before. But I was so tuned into how Chris is, I mean, no different than Kim in terms of progressing in that regard. I mean, she was totally thrown by what she viewed was judgment from her friend. Whereas now, one, she wouldn't have friends that would judge her in that way. But two, she would say, fuck them. Like, what do I need to prove to you? Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada for example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada. 
which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. It was also interesting watching Kim kind of take Chris's side, like cautiously take Chris's side almost where she was saying, you know, I don't agree with the way that mom is necessarily going about this. I don't agree with the way that she's pressuring you, but like I do hold some of those same beliefs. I do think that you guys should get married. I don't really understand what's stopping you guys. And that was such a clear projection of Kim of being like, well, if I had somebody right now that I could marry, I would be married like that. The snap of a finger. Like I am sitting here with bated breath waiting for Chris to ask me to marry him because that's how badly I want to be married. And so you were watching her put that onto Courtney. It had nothing to do with these quote traditional beliefs. It had nothing to do with, you know, Chris being right or not right. It was just Kim wanted to get married so badly that she couldn't even fathom the idea of Courtney not wanting to. Right. And then there was a little bit of resentment that she had, you know, not just like, I don't understand how you could be in this position and not want to take advantage of it, but also like, I would do literally anything to be in this position. How are you not jumping at the opportunity? There was a, it wasn't overt because she did mask it well, but there was definitely a little bit of resentment there. Well, there's a scene where Courtney and Kim are talking and Kim says to Courtney, like, I'm not pressuring you. Like, I'm not trying to get into this with you. Like, I'm genuinely just asking you, like, what is it? Like, why is it that you don't want to get married? Like, what is stopping you? And Courtney kind of hesitates in answering and Kim is like, is it that you don't think Scott's the one? And Courtney's like, no, it's not that. If I didn't think Scott was the one, I would just break up with him. And she kind of confesses to the fact that like, it really has a lot to do with her parents' marriage and their divorce and the way it, you know, really deeply affected her. And that was kind of the first time that I believe that that was brought up in regards to her relationship with Scott, which will eventually become a thing that gets brought up much more often. And, you know, she says that she doesn't want to tell Chris that because, she doesn't, she doesn't want to deal with Chris having to deal with that. She knows that Chris is going to take it too far and really personalize it and make it about herself, and Courtney just doesn't want to deal with that. But Kim comes to an understanding and really gets what she's saying, and at the end of that scene, Courtney says, well, we'll just be single sisters forever. And Kim looks at her and says, I am not going to be single forever. Like, the second I don't have to be single anymore, I will not be single anymore. And that was the part of the episode where it really jumped out with Kim. Yeah, Kim was like, who is we? Because <laughs> I am yeah, certainly- Yeah, Kim was like, I am, I am <laughs> accepting a marriage proposal from the first guy that comes my way. I have him on video chat in New York. All I'm doing is waiting until it's like slightly appropriate to be able to marry this guy. <laughs> yeah, Kim was like, I would very much like to be excluded from that narrative. But th- that scene is exactly what I was talking about in the beginning of the episode where you'll watch something like Kim getting her butt x-rayed and- you're enjoying it, but you're blown away by how fluffy it is. And then you go to a scene like this where it was so raw and Courtney, I I do believe for one of the first times is really outlining one of the main sources of her trauma that occurred in her childhood. And then to take it even a step further, Kim and her confessional to say, yeah, Courtney was hands down the one that was the most affected by my parents' divorce, which we then know, you know, this comes up a lot in later seasons, the way that Courtney feels about Chris and potentially some of the resentment that she holds on to for Chris that some of the other siblings don't and how that manifests itself. But it was one of those moments where it really tuned you into just how many specific relationship dynamics are at play. Yeah. And that's also why the show worked. If it was all serious all the time, you wouldn't want to watch it. You want to have fun while doing it. And if it was all fun all the time, you wouldn't have connected to the family the way you did. And so one of the things that this show really did was it gave you the perfect mix of of both of those things. But also what's so fun watching it back is how many times have we had this conversation about Travis and Courtney and how Courtney was never sure she wanted to get married. And, you know, she always swore up and down. It wasn't that it was Scott. It was that she just, she wasn't a hundred percent sure about marriage and she never really thought about it. And then all of a sudden Travis came into the picture and this idea of marriage wasn't so scary and it was actually something that she desired. And so to watch the origins of that before she even 
could think about Travis in that capacity way back when, before they even have Penelope, is just so interesting to see that evolution of because it's a conversation that she's having in 2011 that is so, so extremely relevant now. No. And, you know, to Courtney's credit, she really stuck to her gut for all of these years because there was clearly something inside of her that was telling her this is just not right. And she was not at all influenced by familial pressure or as they got more famous by fan pressure, like societal pressure, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there was an army, and I would say that at times you and I were even included in that, of people that so badly just wanted her to get married to Scott. It felt like the obvious thing to do. And there was something inside of her that knew it wasn't right. And I really, really commend that. I think that it is very difficult to do that with any pressure, but when it's your family, a family that is so involved in one another's lives, and then when it's like literally the entire world – You got to hand that to her. Oh, you totally do. I have to tell you, I don't remember why. The other day I was going through some of our old comments and I was going through the ones in that period of time where we were so convinced that Courtney and Scott were going to get back together. It was a lot of Scott commenting on Courtney's pictures, Courtney commenting on Scott's pictures. And I have to tell you, I think that they were really close to getting back together. I think so too. Not married, but I think they were close. I think they were really close. And I have to say that let's say that they didn't have this hypothetical period where they were maybe going to get back together, but they still had this friendship that had existed. If they had had just this friendship and Courtney started seeing Travis – I think that the relationship between Travis, Courtney, and Scott would be a completely different story. I think that it exists the way that it does and the way that the family and their relationship with Scott has kind of not drifted, but has had to change dynamic as a result of making sure that Courtney and Travis are comfortable, which I think it's all really the result of just how close Courtney and Scott were of getting back together. I really think that. I don't think it's entirely, but I know it plays a role because let us not forget season 20 or whatever it was when they're at that Malibu house. I mean, the entire family was gunning for it. Like that's the reason that we as the public or we as fans didn't feel stupid for it because the people that actually knew them the best were aligned. Like when Kris Jenner is saying that she wants it to happen, who are you to disagree with her? You know, it it was – yeah, I. it is so wild because I'm in so deep now with Courtney and Travis. Like It feels as though that's how it always was. But when you watch these back, it just takes you. I guess the best way that I can put it is like, if you were to tell 2011 Courtney that not only would she get married and get married to one of her oldest friends, but that she would be so excited about the idea of marriage and so intentional in every detail of her wedding, she would tell you that you were fucking crazy. There is no world in which she would ever understand that she is going to, you know, have her wedding dress fitting filmed for the show and her veil is going to be embroidered with her husband's head tattoo. Like she would tell you that anybody that would go to these lengths to have this type of sentimental value is somebody that she fundamentally doesn't align with. And like, it just goes to show you it is all about the person because the second she connected with Travis in that way, it changed her entire idea of what she thought she wanted. And that is so powerful. Here's the interesting thing though. I think if you were to tell a 2011 Courtney that she would have a wedding and describe all the things that you described, she would think you were out of your mind. But if you were to tell a 2011 Courtney that she wasn't going to end up with Scott, that she would believe. Oh, she would totally believe. But even if you told her all of those things and said it was about someone else, you know, about her dream guy, like I think that there was a conflation in Courtney's mind that she herself was so influenced by to the point where she couldn't even separate the two, meaning I don't think she could have ever honestly answered the question, is it that I don't agree with marriage for myself or I still have parts about Scott that I'm a little bit unsure of? Like I think the way that she was uncertain about Scott and admittedly uncertain about Scott then kind of translated into her thinking it was a more base level belief she had about marriage and that that ended up that it wasn't actually the case. 
Right. I mean, and she does say that in this conversation that she has with Kim where she says, like, I have my reservations about Scott still. Not that he's not my person. She truly believed at the time that that was her person. Again, I still think if you told her that she'd end up with somebody else, she would have believed you. But I think at the time she really did think that Scott was her person. She had reservations about his behavior and his drinking and all of the other things that he had put her through in the past. And so the reservations about marriage, she was very open to herself and to Kim, not really to the rest of the family, not really to Scott himself about the reason why she didn't want to get married yet, but she wasn't willing to take that step or didn't know to take that step to say like, okay, it's not just his behavior. It's not just these things. Like he, he may not be the one. Yeah, which it was a scary realization. I mean, she had just had a child with him. She was having all of this pressure from her family. I mean, she also, again, as she said to Kim, you know, she was so scarred by her parents' divorce. And even if they weren't to ever get married to then get divorced, meaning her and Scott, like, I think a breakup was still something that she was trying to avoid. I mean, yeah, there is so much here, but I – my biggest takeaway or one of my biggest takeaways when watching these episodes is even though if I'm ranking them, Courtney will never be my favorite, I admire her a lot for being potentially the most consistent in terms of honoring her own beliefs because that's a really admirable quality in a person. I so agree. I mean, and also she gave the show so fucking much. She carried the show for so many seasons. And you know, the other thought that I had about Courtney and Scott as I'm watching this now is that I'm so curious how much of their relationship was influenced by Courtney's need to prove something to Chris and the rest of the family. Like, I just feel like Courtney spent so much time fighting with everybody else trying to prove that Scott was the right person for her or that Scott was a really good partner and a really good parent that she never took the time to question like is he for me though like you know what I mean like she was so busy trying to convince everybody else that she was making the right decision that I feel like at this time she didn't take the step back to say like am I trying to prove something to them or do I actually feel this for myself Right. But the thing is, she was clearly so conflicted internally because if she consciously realized that that was what was going on, she wouldn't have done it. Like everything that I just said about how Courtney did what Courtney wanted to do, and I respect her for that. If she was very consciously aware that perhaps she was doing some of this to prove something, she wouldn't have gone along with it in the way that she did, you know? Like it it ran so deep, is what I'm saying. Totally, 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 totally. This is just a really good episode. I mean, I could like really talk about this for a very, very long time. It was excellent. I, I literally texted Isabel in the middle. I was like, I know you're not recording, but you have to watch this one. Like, it, Every Kardashian fan should watch this episode because it will really bring you back in a big way. I completely agree. Okay, well, is there anything else you would like to mention? I think that's it for today, kid. Okay, well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening and for letting us do this. And Isabel and I will see you later this week for Bravo, where apparently there's some shit going on with Brandy and Caroline that I can't wait to talk about. Bye.